Matt Schaff and Jared Smola of DraftSharks.com here to preview week seven of fantasy football for you. And Jared, I think the appropriate place to start this one is the Rams backfield, which has generated plenty of talk this week. Zach Evans was the big waiver ad last night or Tuesday night, if that's when your league runs it. After, of course, the injuries to Kyron Williams and Ronnie Rivers, is this just Imari DiMarcato all over again? And if not, why not? I was just going to ask who, who's going to end up being the worst, you know, um, waiver wire spend of the season, DiMarcato or Zach Evans. I saw Zach Evans going for over $500 of a, you know, $1,000 budget in uh, FFPC main event leagues last night. And listen, it, it could work. I think the whole situation gets more interesting by the day with the more and more we learn about Kyron Williams injury. You know, Sean McVay was initially pretty optimistic that Williams wouldn't miss more than a game on Wednesday called Williams week to week. Jordan Rodriguez of the athletic noted that Williams basically had a cast on the ankle and was using a scooter to get around at practice. So I'd be surprised if Williams plays, you know, prior to the Rams week 10 by um, so, so you're going to get a few games of a Kyron Williams less Rams backfield. We'll we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, I think all these guys are worth rostering to some extent. The nice thing for me is we're going to get an answer on Zach Evans pretty quickly because if he can't carve out a role in this backfield with Royce Freeman, 2.9 yards per carry over the last two seasons, Daryl Henderson, who has experience in this offense, but as far as I can tell, wasn't even in a training camp this summer. So who knows what kind of shape he is in miles Gaskin. I always thought was okay when he was in Miami, but I mean, he, he, he does have a couple seasons of 40 plus catches, but you know, 3.8 yards per carry for his career. He had just 10 carries last season. So if Evans can't emerge as the lead back here, I'd feel pretty comfortable saying that he's just, you know, not, not going to make it in the NFL. My father-in-law back long before he retired, spent a long time, doing trading cards, baseball cards, football cards, all that memorabilia. He found recently these old plastic like records of players, Dick Butkus, like that's how old they are and Lou Alcindor. So he brought them, he brought like pictures and couldn't find the values on them. He was thinking, oh, I might have a gold mine here. Turns out those things sell for like $5, even though they're <laughs> years old. It's just that there's not value to them. That's this backfield. You look at it and you think somebody's got to score points because Kyron Williams has gone from not drafted to RB1. Somebody does not got to score points here. You don't, this is not a, a given. There might not be any value. And that is where I would start my expectation. Sean McVay on Wednesday was asked if Zach Evans is trending towards starting this weekend. And he said, quote, I wouldn't say that. All four of these guys are possibilities, and we're truly navigating through that. Now, we'll see about Zach Evans. There have been plenty of players who, like, nobody was expecting anything, and then they got the ball, and it was like, oh, wow, he did much better than I expected. But Zach Evans has been with this team since the draft. He was with them throughout the summer. He's been with them since the start of the season. He was on the regular season roster when the season began. He's still not the next guy up after both Kyron Williams and and Ronnie Rivers went down, and Cam Akers got dumped. And they're still like, yeah, we're going to have him compete with this guy that was on our practice squad, this guy that was on Minnesota's practice squad, and this guy that was on his couch that we waived last year. So to me, that says, don't expect much. And if you get something, be happy with it. So I didn't spend anything on any of these guys. And I mean, that's that's where I'm at right now. If I have a spot, 
and I need to stash one, I'm going to go get whichever one's still on waivers right now. It would have been nice for Sean McVay to come out and say, yeah, we're going to you know, start Zach Evans on Sunday. Honestly, I would have been more surprised if he had came out and said that about, you know, the sixth round rookie then, than what he actually ended up saying on Wednesday. So, I mean, we'll see where it goes. I, I think we can agree you'd rather not mess with the situation this week. But again, because Kyron Williams is going to be out for, I think, multiple weeks, I think it is, is a situation where you, if you can, you know, stash these guys if you have room. And then we'll, we'll just, we'll see what it looks like, you know, after after the game on Sunday. What I would like to hear is anything positive about a guy that you drafted just this said, spring that has been with your team. He, he said something positive at like, the end of the quote. He's, he's gotten better. <laughs> he's gotten better. He said, he said, he said everybody he, should be getting better. Yeah, McVay said he was, I think it was something like he was happy how, you know, Evans played on his like first six snaps of the season or or whatever it was last week. There are probably some Rams running back. There's probably at least one left on your waiver wire right now. So you can quickly search all of the waiver wires and all the leagues that you play. If you have them synced on DraftSharks.com, you just go into the free agent finder. You make sure you update everything, as you can see on your screen if you're watching on YouTube right now. That makes sure that all the rosters in your league are up to date. The system then knows who is claimed and who is not. And then you can use the cross-league search to say, Hey, Daryl Henderson, is he available in any of my leagues? Jared, I checked just that this morning. I found that Daryl Henderson was claimed in only my FFPC main event league. I have 11 leagues synced there. He is available in 10 of them. And that to me is the thing here. It's not so much, I don't think there's any chance Zach Evans produces. It's that the market is saying this is definitely Zach Evans and I don't care who else is there. And it's the Rams are saying, this is a committee. We're hoping that somebody yeah. earns touches by Sunday. Yeah, for sure. Again, Zach Evans, I think went for $510 in my FFPC main event league. I got Daryl Henderson for $8. Um, and by the way, you know, if, if you're, if you're wondering how I ordered them, because I put bids on all of them last night, I ordered them Zach Evans, Daryl Henderson, Miles Gaskin, Royce Freeman. Um, Royce Freeman would definitely be fourth for me. I think you can go either way, Henderson and Gaskin. I think the, I think Henderson and Gaskin are intriguing ads if you can you know, pick them up for, for nothing right now or even if you have to you know bid a dollar on them or whatever. You know, play out a scenario where each of these guys is the lead back. Royce Freeman is the one where I'd be like, I don't care if he's the lead back because he's going to get me 27 <laughs> yards on 17 carries. Exactly, exactly. Lions backfield up next, which is a lot clearer, but yet uncertain heading into week seven. David Montgomery is out with a rib injury. Jameer Gibbs returned for a limited practice Wednesday. It's his first since he suffered a hamstring injury on Friday of week five, missed the past two games. So we'll see about him, but it seems like he's trending toward playing this week. Jared, Craig Reynolds did not practice on Wednesday. Another hot waiver pickup this week. And I guess I should put hot in quotes because nobody's excited about it. But he's listed with hamstring and toe injuries. Not a good way to start the week if you're a running back. No, I mean, at this point, I think the Lions backfield is just how high do you rank Jameer Gibbs? Because all indications are Ian Rapport just said this morning that Gibbs is trending towards returning, which is basically what Dan Campbell had said earlier in the week. So I think Gibbs is going to be back. Then if it's Gibbs without Craig Reynolds and it's only, you know, Divine Zigbo behind Gibbs, I mean, I, I think Gibbs regardless is the favorite to lead the backfield and touches. I think what we're trying to figure out is how big of a role he's going to play. Of course, in that week three game that David Montgomery missed and Craig Reynolds did play in Jameer Gibbs got 17 carries and two targets in that game played 60% of the snaps. Now he is coming off a multi week hamstring injury. So I don't know if the lions want to give him that much work, 
But again, if Craig Reynolds doesn't play, then they might have to. And of course, if they are not able to run the ball with anybody successfully because it's a tough matchup against Baltimore, at least Jameer Gibbs has receiving upside. Jared Goff certainly looks even more solid as a QB1 this week just because they're going to have to lean on that. Even if it's Jameer Gibbs is all the way back and even if Craig Reynolds is there, it's it's going to be a much lesser backfield than we're used to. The Browns backfield got a little bit less clear last week because coming out of their bye, Kareem Hunt pulled much closer to Jerome Ford than simply if he just took the week four Kareem Hunt workload, added the week four Pierre Strong workload. The gap closed more than that, Jared. What are we doing with Kareem Hunt and Jerome Ford? Yeah, I think Ford is still the guy you'd rather play here. But I also think Kareem Hunt, and especially this week with six teams and by and all the running back issues that, you know, Kareem Hunt is a pretty nice RB3 or flex. Like, I wouldn't feel bad if I had to start Kareem Hunt in that type of position. I think you're going to see their, uh, the Browns continue to lean toward the run with P.J. Walker under center. It doesn't look like Deshaun Watson is going to be back this week, so I think you're going to get another game. I mean, Hunt and uh, Jerome Ford combined for, what, 29 carries last week, five targets. I think they're both in play. I think the interesting thing to me about what we saw last week was the gap in pass routes closed, which I think that was kind of what was keeping Ford exciting to me is that he was kind of you know dominating the pass catching work in the backfield. But um, Ford only ran two more pass routes than Kareem Hunt did last week. Hunt actually out-targeted him three to two. So this has definitely gotten closer. I think, you know, the gap between these guys isn't nearly as big as, as we thought it was going to be. Yeah, now it's one game, so it might be that things swing back in the other direction this week, so we'll keep watching that. But certainly in a week where there are people scrounging for running backs, I'm sure that there are plenty of teams that need to start Kareem Hunt at RB2. I would think that there will be enough touches for both of these guys against the Colts for both of them to be fantasy viable this week, and we'll see you know, just how strong that viability is. And speaking of the Colts, this might be another situation where we have two running backs available, certainly not as attractive because the team is not favored to win this game, but we saw probably more meaningful change in that backfield last week than in Cleveland's Zach Moss two weeks ago was awesome against Tennessee and dominated Jonathan Taylor in workload in Taylor's first game back from the pup list. But last week, despite that awesomeness the week before Jonathan Taylor pulled basically even with Zach Moss in week six, both playing time and touches. So Jared, should we expect Jonathan Taylor to keep moving in that direction and just zoom past Zach Moss this week? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, zoom past might be strong, but I, I, you know, we're, we're projecting Taylor to lead the Colts this week in both carries and targets among the running backs. Um, it was, yeah, like you said, it was basically dead even last week. Zach Moss still played a few more snaps, ran a few more routes, but I think that's the last week that'll happen. Brutal matchup for, for these guys this week against the Browns. So tough to get excited about them, especially when we are still projecting a split. But again, you know, to me, Zach Moss is in the same territory as Kareem Hunt. And, and really, you know, I think Jonathan Taylor is kind of in the same territory as Jerome Ford because of the matchup this week. I think like, you know, JT's like an okay RB2. I think um, Moss is still fine to use as, as an RB3 because he probably is still going to get 10 or so touches, I would think. Moss did still beat Taylor last week in yards per carry, yards after contact per carry, PFF rushing grade. So uh, he continues to play well enough where I don't think he's going to completely go away. And in touchdowns. 
Um, if I had to choose among these guys, I would play Kareem Hunt over Zach Moss because I agree that they're in the same kind of area where they're still probably going to get work. But we know that Zach Moss is behind Jonathan Taylor in terms of how the team thinks about the two players. They didn't pay Jonathan Taylor to come back and you know work closely with Zach Moss. So there's the potential, at least, that he pulls away from Zach Moss, whereas in Cleveland, We'll see. It's the first year of Jerome Ford doing anything of you know value, and Kareem Hunt has some history with both the team and the coaching staff. Roshan Johnson is another running back that we're kind of waiting to see on this week. And Jared, I think we all kind of assumed he would be back this week, but still yeah. not practicing Wednesday after missing last week with a concussion. That's unusual versus the common timeline for returning from concussions, but it's certainly not unprecedented. We've seen players miss more than one game with concussions before. So Roshan Johnson's 23rd in our running back rankings for PPR right now. We're going to have to watch and see if he's in or out this week. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have to get a limited practice in on Thursday to have any chance to play. I would think you know, that's just kind of how it, it goes in the, in the concussion protocol. So you, you might see him out of our rankings by Thursday night. If he doesn't practice today, um, it's, it's too bad too, because I was excited about Roshan and, and I, I still am. Um, Cause we know Cleo Herbert's going to miss at least a couple more games beyond this week. The, the Bears obviously don't like Dante Foreman for whatever reason. I mean, he was a healthy scratch for a month prior to last week. And then even last week, they gave the Bears gave Darrington Evans nine carries and one target behind Dante Foreman. So I think there's a chance that when Roshan is cleared that he's basically a lock to do the passing game stuff because he was already doing most of that behind Khalil Herbert. I, I think Roshan has a good chance to lead the Bears backfield and carries as well, which is you know what we have projected right now and what I would expect if he does play this weekend. But again, we'll have to see if he's able to able to get cleared. They probably don't like Deontay Foreman because they've realized what every other team that employed him realized that he's just some dude <laughs> that can play running back a little bit. We also should be getting Travis Homer back this week, so we'll see about that. Mm -hmm. I would imagine he at least takes over what Darrington Evans got last week, and we'll see what he has role-wise versus Foreman if Roshan Johnson's out. On to some pass catching now, and Jared, on the DFS shows last week, you brought up Jackson Smith and Jigba, and what we needed was a significant playing time boost for him to be viable. Did we get that coming out of the bye from the rookie? We did. We did. Yeah. And I didn't end up playing uh, JSN and DFS last week, but he had a decent game, by the way. I don't know if you saw, but he was, he was wide open. Uh, they kind of drew up this play to kind of get him, you know, working across the field. And he was wide open for what would have been a touchdown. Gino just didn't throw it to him. So I, I was encouraged. I, I will be playing JSN and DFS this week. I do think he's a, you know, sneaky, you know, wide receiver four in season long if you need it, which I know a lot of teams do this week. So it was a season high in routes for JSN last week at 78%. And 78% is, and you get into a territory that that's, that's nice. You know, that's, that's enough where we can start to, I think, rely on him. And it was a result of Seattle just running more three wide receiver sets, which we kind of thought would be the case as the offensive line starts to get healthy. Now the Seahawks ran three wide on 71% of their snaps last week. That was up from 53% over you know th their first four or five games of the season. Jason also saw a bump in his average target depth, 7.4 yards, which is still shallow, but it's way up from his 3.3 yard average depth of target over his first four games. So encouraging stuff all around for JSN. We do have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett on the injury report this week. Um, both guys should be okay for Sunday's game, but we'll keep an eye on that. Regardless, I think, you know, if JSN is going to be out, out there for, you know, 80 or so percent of the pass plays. I think he's someone we can, you know, start to consider as at least a wide receiver for. I would try to manage that excitement this week, especially last week, Seattle was playing Cincinnati. They lost that game. So this week they're playing Arizona. We just saw the Rams 
only throw the ball 24 times in this matchup with the Cardinals. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get more rushing from Seattle in this one. I would love to keep JSN on my bench until something a little bit more happens, but certainly if you need somebody down in that range. And if you're wondering about Jackson Smith and Jigba longer term, Herms shined his weekly dynasty spotlight on JSN this week. So you can check out that full breakdown at draftsharks.com. Elsewhere in the wide receiver core for Seattle, though, I've been trying to get DK Metcalf into our trade targets article for at least a couple weeks now as a sell. Finally succeeded this week, so you can find him in there. And I mean, the JSN upside is part of why I'm selling that. So the case against Metcalf is certainly what he's done so far. He's tied for just 23rd in PPR points per game, and he might seem like a rebound candidate from there, but he's actually scoring a little bit above expected Metcalf's tied for 40th and expected PPR points per game. He's tied with Robert Woods in that category behind Drake London and Zay Jones, among others, 42nd among wide receivers in target share so far, according to our historical stats page, Metcalf finished last year, 20th in target share among wideouts. So obviously way down. Do I think that he's going to stay 42nd in target share? No, I think there's some rebound from there, but We've got Jackson Smith and Jigba as an extra challenger that has never been there before. We still like Tyler Lockett. I don't think he's going anywhere unless he gets hurt. Ken Walker is playing well. We haven't even seen Zach Charbonnet get meaningfully involved yet. So to me, Jared, the biggest issue for DK Metcalf rebounding is that this is not a struggling offense that needs to get something going or figured out to turn around the Seahawks sit ninth in overall offensive DVOA seventh in pass offense DVOA. I think it's just a tougher spot for Metcalf now, and there's not really a path for him to make a huge rebound. Yeah. I mean, we were projecting all along that Metcalf's target share would shrink, but it's at 18.8%. I mean, I did not expect it to be anywhere near that low. He was at 24.6% last year. He was at 26.1% in 2021. So it's just been a massive dip in target share. I, I do think it's going to rebound. I wonder how big of a factor the injuries have played. I mean, first of all, he's left now two games, at least two games, missed some time in game with injuries. It was the rib injury a few weeks ago, which he's been playing through, which I would guess has been at least a factor. And then he hurt a hip Last week, missed a couple series, was able to return. He's you know still on the injury report that's, uh, this week with the hip. So he's obviously not at 100%, which I'm sure has played a part in it. I will say his average depth of target is way up from last year. It's actually at a career high 14.0 yards, which I think one probably plays into the target share being down. Because I think if you're running deep, you're just likely to you know draw a bit fewer targets. But two, we, we, we like guys running deep and getting deep targets that are, you know, worth more uh, in, in fantasy than the short targets are. So I do think Metcalf rebounds from here in terms of usage. I, I agree. He's probably not going to, you know, pay off where you drafted him, which was, you know, as a you know high end wide receiver too. And I'll add that we've all seen DK Metcalf without a shirt on. So he's much better equipped to play with a rib injury than most of us <laughs> would be. He's got a flak yes. jacket built in. You can find more of the sell case for DK Metcalf plus other buy, sell, hold candidates in our week seven trade targets article. That, of course, also features the Alex Korf trade value chart at the top. We've got links to our other trade value charts for varied fantasy formats, including Dynasty and Superflex. And, of course, to the trade navigator, which helps you find the league mate in your league who has what you need and needs what you have. It helps you build that perfect offer to change your season going forward. Forward. Need to be a DS insider to access that powerful tool, though. So make sure you join up. Jared, Devontae Adams was down the past two weeks, not just in production, but also in targets. 
And I, I don't know about you, but I was wondering if it was the shoulder that he hurt, which didn't cost him any games, but did take him out for a time, has significantly limited his practice time versus usual over the past couple of weeks. I was wondering if we might need to drop him down our rankings. And then Wednesday, he complained, I'm guessing was asked what he thought about his diminished role over the past couple of weeks. And he didn't say my shoulder hurts. He said, basically, I'm not here for wins. I'm here to catch passes to help us win games. Like he he's not satisfied with just winning and not being heavily involved. He wants to be heavily involved in winning. And his coach didn't say, look, we won the past two games. Sometimes guys are going to see their work diminish and other times it'll rise. Josh McDaniel said, quote, Honestly, great players wouldn't be great if they didn't want to try to help the team win in every way they can. Our job is to make sure our best players have an opportunity to impact the game and they can only do what they can do. So, Jared, to me, if the coach isn't like, stop complaining, but he's like, I agree with you, that says... Let's make sure to get our star heavily involved again this week. I still think the shoulder had something to do with this. I mean, look at Adam's target shares by week, 35%, 36%, 45%, 35%. He hurts his shoulder in that fourth game. Then he goes 14%, 18%. So it's not like we haven't seen the Raiders pepper him with absurd target share already this season. I think the shoulder had something to do with it. He should be getting healthier now. He was still limited in Wednesday's practice, but the fact that he's out there on Wednesday is good news. So I would I would definitely expect a you know squeaky wheel situation here and for Adams to come out and you know get a pretty strong target share. And even with the quarterback issues in Vegas right now, I think in this matchup against the Bears, it's 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 a really nice bounce back spot for Adams. Yeah, and I learned with Jarrett Stidham week last year when they first <laughs> took Derek Carr out and put Stidham in, not to doubt Devontae Adams just because I have questions about the quarterback. So I agree. You put Devontae Adams in there pretty comfortably, and there are plenty of targets for him and Jacoby Myers. Doesn't mean that they'll both work out. Doesn't mean either will work out this week, but that's what you signed up for with wide receivers in fantasy football. Let's close this out with streaming defenses for week eight. You know, I know it's week seven right now, we already had waivers this week, though, so we got to look ahead, let people know what defenses look good. Jared, first of all, the Jets, if anybody in your league dropped them, I would go ahead and grab them before others in your league realize that the Jets have a matchup with the Giants. They're still rostered in 59% of Yahoo leagues, so it's not an option for most leagues, but I found the Cleveland Browns this week in one of my leagues that is a money league on NFL.com, so it's possible. What do you like beyond the Jets for week eight? Yeah, I see at least two defenses right now that I would grab and, you know, stash as, as a second D. And one is the Jets. The other one's the Eagles, who, you know, you don't want to use them this week against Miami, but they get Washington next week, who has been, you know, the best matchup for opposing defenses so far this season. So the Jets or Eagles, I'd be willing to stash both. I think other options that look good next week, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure I'd grab them now. If I, if I have to drop anything of value, I would not, but um, the chargers get the bears and it's, you know, F Justin Fields is probably going to be out again next week. So it's either going to be Tyson Badgett or Nathan Peterman. I think, you know, Peterman would probably be even better than Tyson Badgett for a defense. And then um, the lions defense who, you know, again, might be dropped this week in a matchup against the Ravens. I don't, I don't know how likely that is, but they are home for Vegas next week. So they're going to be a, a strong play. And, you know, if your roster is 20 spots, there's probably somebody that you can drop for a second defense, because most likely if you're playing that defense next week, then it's got more value for you than that seventh wide receiver or, you know, the third running back that you have for a team. Like, don't hang on to three Rams running backs just to see who wins out 
over a second defense. That second defense is 100% going to help your team more than one of those Rams running backs. You can choose to drop whichever one you do at this point. Agreed. I, I always have trouble dropping my um, stashes, though. I, you know, I feel like a attachment to them. I've been hanging on them for so long. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, especially at wide receiver. I mean, I, I do think the handcuff running backs are good stashes. But if you have seven wide receivers, you can feel free to drop that seventh one. <laughs> for sure. You can find the rankings for week eight. If you want to see any other options, if you're looking to play around with that spot, those are available on draftsharks.com. And of course you can find our week seven rankings. We'll keep updating those right up until all the kickoffs as information necessitates. There's also lots more week seven content on draftsharks.com. Now we've got our updated dynasty risers and fallers. We've got Jared's weekly usage takeaways and his matchups that matter for week seven. So check it all out. Let us help you win week seven. <laughs>